having been a pastor for 28 years, having believed that this is one of the reasons why God birthed me, I got excited. I hope you understand that. My, my family, when they hear, Jeff asked him to preach. They're like, here we go again. <laughs> so, so I went home and I sought the Lord diligently and began to think about what God would have me to bring knowing this is 4th of July. At first I was excited. And then I must confess, the more that I studied the passage that God laid on my heart, the more frightened I became. And it's difficult. The message this morning is evangelistic. You will hear the gospel. But I must warn you, it is also prophetic. And that scares me. Freedom and liberty. How many of you have heard those words over and over and over again the last 72 hours? And that's understandable. Freedom and liberty. Those two words certainly assume center stage today, don't they? And well, they should. This weekend, we celebrate our independence as a nation. And we ought to. Because liberty and freedom are things many people around the world do not enjoy. And yet liberty and freedom are the two pillars upon which this nation was built. Remember those wonderful words that begin the preamble of our Constitution? And eventually they'll be on the screen before us. There they are. <laughs> to calm my spirits, would you say them with me? We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Or these words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our pledge of allegiance ends with what phrase? Oh, that's sad, especially for a school teacher. All right, here we go, hands over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, here it is, with liberty and justice for all. We exalt the liberty of the individual and the high ideal that all men should be free. Amen? But are those Ideal, still the pillars upon which this nation stands. 
were the 3,000 babies aborted yesterday given the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Were the innocent residents of our inner cities across this land, Chicago, New York City, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, were they free to walk the streets of their neighborhood last night without fear? What about the more than 21 million addicts and the 600,000 homeless people who call America home today? Are they really free? They live in the land of the free, in the home of the brave. But are they really free? If not, why not? What is missing from the equation? The answer, God. There is no freedom apart from God. Our founding fathers knew this to be true. Recorded in the minutes of the first constitutional convention are these words spoken by Benjamin Franklin. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe that without his occurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. With the bedrock belief that America could only be great to the extent that God make her great, the United States Constitution was signed and a new nation had the foundation upon which she would be built. but I am confident it is no secret to anyone in this room today that over the course of these last few years, we have started to see massive cracks and fissures in that foundation. And as the foundation becomes unstable, the pillars of freedom and liberty are perilously wavering. Proverbs 14 tells us a right, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. 
or God speaks these words through the prophet Jeremiah. I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. But if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I have promised to bless it. When God is removed from the public square, aren't freedom and liberty soon to follow? I submit to you this morning upon the authority of God's Word, God's holy Word that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word that is truth and is incapable of error, that freedom is not found in a place. Freedom is found in a person. Freedom is not based on where you live. Freedom is based on who lives in you. The Bible declares, if therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Real freedom, lasting freedom, forever freedom is found in a personal love relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone is the true source of freedom. And the nation who forgets the true source of freedom is sure to lose it. I encourage you to open your Bibles this 4th of July weekend to the fifth chapter of Galatians. It's found in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. I learned General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. My wife learned, go eat popcorn. Whatever you need to use, get there. Galatians chapter 5. I want you to have the Word of God before you because what I say means absolutely nothing, but what God says means absolutely everything. Galatians chapter 5. Now, I must confess this morning that Pastor Jeff set me up. Because Independence Day is a difficult day for us preachers. Now here is the dilemma faced by every man of God standing in a pulpit this 4th of July Sunday. Either we ignore the state of these United States, and we speak glowingly of this great country, bleeding red, white, and blue, or we assume the mantle of a prophet and make everyone mad at us. Now, I I love this country. You need to hear that. You need to understand that. My family will tell you I still choke back tears every time we sing the Star-Spangled Banner at a ball game. I catch my breath when I see one of our U.S. Olympians 
stand on the podium during the Olympic Games. I hold in incredibly high esteem those who have paid the price for the freedom we so flippantly take for granted. But neither can I ignore the clear warning of Scripture that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I know without a doubt our country is in a moral and spiritual freefall of epidemic proportions. Sodom and Gomorrah would blush at the vices we now call normal in our nation. We call evil good and good evil. We promote perversity and prosecute purity. Even in the church, we seem to be more concerned with what is popular than what is right. Our Congress says we cannot legislate morality, and then they pass laws to protect the practice of immorality. The bottom line is we as as a nation have forgotten the true source of our freedom. And if we forget the true source of our freedom, we will one day wonder where that freedom went. Because freedom is not found in a place. Freedom is found in a person. Freedom is not an external circumstance. Freedom is an internal condition. Freedom cannot be found in a governmental institution regardless of whether they ride a donkey or an elephant. Freedom can only be found in God's grace as made available through God's Son. Christ and Christ alone is the true source of freedom. And the nation who forgets the true source of her freedom is sure to lose it. Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers who had experienced freedom in Christ. They had knelt at the foot of the cross. They had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They had understood that forgiveness from their past and hope for their future was rooted in the one who died for them on the cross and rose three days later. They had experienced freedom. But here was the tragedy. A group of false teachers called Judaizers had infiltrated the church. And they knew just enough truth to create deception. Because the Judaizers were declaring, oh yes, salvation is found in Jesus. But it's Jesus plus. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the keeping of the law. And these new believers were contemplating, seriously contemplating, abandoning the freedom they had been given in Christ and returning 
to the prison cell of ceremonial law, rules, and regulations. That was the one extreme. On the other extreme were those who said, no, I'm free in Christ. And being free means anything goes. I can do whatever I want to do. I can go wherever I want to go because I'm free. And so Paul is addressing with great pain these two extremes. And he seeks to bring them back together under the banner of the cross. You understand the context? Yes? No? Wayne? There's a glare coming off your forehead, something that tells me you're awake. Okay, let's dive into the text. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Who sets us free? Christ sets us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. You see it? So in verse 1, he addresses this extreme group who wants to return to the prison of ceremonial law. Verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? If Paul was writing this in our day, verse 7 would say, bless your heart. Bless your heart. As a school teacher, I, I had a, a class, and I would always, when they would do something really, really dumb, we can't call it stupid. Right? You can't refer to anybody as stupid. Now we refer to them as cerebrally challenged. I would say, bless your heart. And one little girl made me this huge pumpkin. Can I get a witness from my family? This huge, huge paper mache pumpkin that said, bless your heart. <laughs> and when I would go to another long-term assignment, I'd take the pumpkin with me. And then I would simply say to someone, look at the pumpkin. This for the Apostle Paul is a pumpkin moment. Look at it. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Bless your heart. Then verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Verse 1 addresses the extreme that wanted to return to ceremonial law. Verse 13 addresses that group who said, no, I've been set free. I can do whatever I please. And Paul is seeking to bring them together under the banner of the cross. Who had set them free? Christ. Who had called them to freedom? Christ. And that call goes forth even today. 
to every man, woman, boy, and girl sitting in this room, whether you're a member of this church or you're come because you're a guest, Christ is calling you to freedom. Christ calls us to freedom. Now, I'll remember, to stay within the context of Scripture, the people to whom Paul was writing understood personally and practically the power of this pronouncement. Why? Because when they weren't being strangled by ceremonial law, they were being driven by their fleshly pursuits. Right? And so this was very practical to them. I'll stop. Fast forward 2,000 years. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Amen? There are many in our society today who think freedom means freedom from moral restraint. And so we as society continue to cut away the cords of morality because perverse people find them binding and restrictive. But I would submit to you, that is a false view of freedom. It is a view of freedom that only leads to imprisonment, not from it. Now let me try to help you understand what I am saying. How many of you remember the story of the prodigal son? Right? The prodigal son. The prodigal son thought he was free when he broke away from his father's restraint and received his portion of the family inheritance, which, by the way, is saying, God, I want my portion of the inheritance. I wish you were dead. And he took off to the far country to do whatever he wanted to do. He was singing with Pinocchio. Hi, diddly dee, there are no strings on me. But the more he did what he liked, the less he liked what he did. You see, he did not control his fleshly passions. His fleshly compassions only enslaved him. And what ultimately happened to this free spirit living life high on the hog? He ended up as a slave slopping hogs. And that is why freedom from moral restraint is false freedom. If I do not control my passions, my passions will eventually enslave me. Dr. Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of our time, called it the law of diminishing returns. He stated on one occasion, sinful vices require more and more to satisfy less and less until an individual is hopelessly, helplessly hooked. God calls people to purity. They choose perversity. God calls people to abstinence, but they choose unrestrained indulgence. Does such a life really satisfy? 
does that kind of life truly produce freedom? How would the addict answer that question? How would the alcoholic answer that question? How would the prodigal son answer that question? And such was the state of these Galatians. Until a man named Paul blew into town telling them of one who could set the captives free. One whom, when he sets an individual free, sets him free indeed. They had heard the clear, clarion call of God, calling them out of darkness and into the liberating light of God's great love. They had traded away those prison garments for the snow-white robe of God's redeeming grace. And Paul, here in Galatians chapter 5, is asking them, having encountered such freedom, having experienced the ecstasy of such liberty, why would you return to the prison of your past or freely allow yourselves to be shackled to the chains of your sin? Isn't that the very question confronting our country today? But here's the hope. Are you ready for it? Here's the hope. Don't identify the problem if you're not willing to provide the solution. Here's the hope. The call of Paul's day is the call of our day. It is a clear clarion call that echoes from the cross through every generation of human history. It is a call that reverberates through the corridors of human history down to this 4th of July weekend. And it is a call to freedom. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You may sit here this morning with a smile on your face but a truckload of guilt and regret in your heart. You're in bondage. Nobody can see the chains, but you know they are there. But this 4th of July can be your Independence Day. Because Christ is calling you to freedom. He's calling you out of the darkness and into the glorious light of His redeeming love. You see, on Calvary's cross, Jesus did for every one of us in this room what we could never do for ourselves. He bore on His bloody shoulders every sin we've ever sinned, every evil thought we've ever thought, every evil deed we have ever done, every ugly remark we have ever uttered. All of the chains that bound humanity bore on His own shoulders that day. And then jumping into the raw red throat of death, He stripped it of its power. 
He washed our sin away like toxic waste. And he emerged on the other side free and unfettered. Who did that? Not a hard question. Who did that? Who did that? Who did that? Come on now, without participation, we will be here forever. (laughs) Who did that? Jesus did that. Governments cannot do that. Grand juries cannot do that. Laws, licenses, legal maneuvering cannot do that. Only Jesus could do that. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, lest I lose you completely, let me say to you, I share our frustration over the state of these United States. I cannot watch the evening news. I have been diagnosed recently with high blood pressure. It was 195 over 137. I was a stroke. It's come down. But because I have high blood pressure, there are two things I cannot do. I cannot watch the evening news. And I cannot watch the Longhorns lose. (laughs) Both of those things drive my blood pressure through the roof. So I understand our frustration over the state of these United States. However, I fear in our frustration, we have lost the sight of the true source of our freedom. We operate under a false assumption. If we could just get our government right, America would get right. As if politics are the answer to the problems of man. Please hear my heart this morning. Listen to everything before you start throwing things. As believers, we have a responsibility to be involved in the political process. That should have gotten a huge amen. Mm -hmm. Falling asleep again. That is not only our right, that is our responsibility as citizen Christians. It breaks my heart to hear an individual who has repented of their sin, placed their faith in Jesus, made Him Lord of life, say that they're going to follow the book and then say, oh, I didn't bother to register to vote. I have three words for you. Anybody guess what they are? Bless your heart. It is our responsibility to vote our convictions. And not only to vote our convictions, but doggedly, passionately stand for those convictions. 
Because a conviction is not a conviction if you do not stand for it. And if you do not stand for something, you'll fall for anything. However, I also know you and I do not need government to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Because government does not have the cure for sin. God does. Real freedom, lasting freedom, forever freedom does not come through the White House. It comes through the church house. Real freedom is not found through the Senate. It's found through the Savior. Real freedom, lasting freedom, forever freedom is not in Congress. It is in Christ. If our government really wants to solve the problem of violence today, they will not take away our guns. They will give away the gospel. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You and I are the ones who have the message for this messed up nation. And it is the message of the cross. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. If you sit here this morning bound by shame and regret, this morning can be your Independence Day. You can be free at last. You can know freedom that last. And there are many of you in this room who could say, that is me. You can remember a time in your life when you repented of your sin, placed your faith in Jesus, and made Him Savior and Lord of your life. You can remember when you were overwhelmed with a truckload of guilt and regret because of the sin in your life. But somebody told you that God loved you, Jesus died for you, and forgiveness from your past and hope for the future was available to you if you would but surrender to His leadership and His lordship in your life. And you said, I'm in. And you were set free. How many of you here this morning could say with absolute confidence, absolute confidence, I know that I am a child of God. I know, keep your hands up, I know that I have turned away from my rebellion. I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for me on the cross. And I am free. I know that I have responded to the call to freedom in my life. Good, because I just set you up. Back to the text. If you are among those who just raised your hand, Paul has a word for you. You ready? If you sit here lost this morning, separated from God this morning, the word for you, Christ calls you to freedom. The word for those of us who have done that is found right there in verse 13. Exercise your freedom cautiously. Amen? Exercise your freedom cautiously. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Liberty is not the same as license. 
liberty does not grant me a license to do whatever I want to do. Freedom of choice does not grant anyone the right to murder an unborn but breathing baby. It does not. Freedom of expression does not grant anyone a license to burn down a building simply because they are angry or feel alienated. That is not freedom. Freedom of speech does not give anyone the license to shout fire in a crowded theater or verbally harass or assault an innocent family sitting in a restaurant eating their dinner. Freedom does not grant anyone the license to pummel another person because they do not believe what you believe. Governments may deem such actions legal, but that will never make them moral, nor will it make them right. Right is right even if the whole world is against it, and wrong is wrong even if the whole world is for it. If we define liberty as freedom from rules and regulations, the end result is chaos and anarchy. We as a nation are reaping what we have sown. That is not a new problem. There's nothing new under the sun. Even in Paul's day, people were trying to make liberty and license synonymous. Go back to the context of the passage. Right? Those in Galatians... On uh, Galatia, on this extreme, who said, I can do whatever I want to do, anything goes, right? The Pinocchio principle. There were some in the city of Rome who even dared to believe the more they sinned, the more grace they would receive. And so they would go out and do the vilest of things and say, oh, we're just doing these things to demonstrate the greatness of God's forgiveness. You hear me? Here's what this same Paul had to say to those individuals in Rome. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. In our day, he would say, oh, come on. Bless your heart. I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left for good? You and I have been saved from sin. We've not been saved to sin. Now hear me. If you are a child of God, if you are a person who has been set free from sin, are you ready? You are free to do whatever you please. Whoops. Does that shock you? If you sit in this room today and you have been set free from sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you have the freedom to do whatever you please. However, you knew there was a catch. 
an individual who has truly been set free from sin will only do what pleases God. Amen? You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. There is a call echoed, right? You were called to freedom. There is a caution uttered. Do not use your freedom as liberty for the flesh. But there is also a warning leveled. Do not forget the cost of that freedom. Do not forget the cost of that freedom. Freedom is found in who? Christ. Do not forget the cost of your freedom. Our freedom was free to us, but it cost the Lord Jesus Christ absolutely everything. Freedom is never free. It always, always, always comes at a great cost. And we must never forget that. That is true of us spiritually. But honestly, isn't that true of us as a nation corporately? Freedom is never free. In fact, the Declaration of Independence closes with these haunting words. With a firm resolve on the protection of divine providence, we wholly pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Do you see the words? The 56 courageous men who signed that document understood those words were not just high-sounding rhetoric. They knew freedom would be purchased at a great price. But they were willing to pay that price. Are we? Are we? Even as we sit in the safety and security of this room today, There are many this Independence Day hunkered down in foxholes or sleeping in metal shacks in another country to protect and preserve the freedom we so flippantly take for granted. They continue to pay the price for freedom. I think about this. I I wrote them down, so I'm going to read them because I don't want to miss them. Every front page article about another bombing in Iraq, every ambush in Afghanistan, every body bag being shipped back to the United States, every suicide bomber driving by a U.S. embassy reminds those of us in this room that freedom is never free. It always comes at a great price. And I praise God for those men and women who serve our country to preserve the freedom and the liberty that you and I enjoy today.
There are some of you in this room today who have paid that price. If you have served in the military, or you have a family member that is currently serving our country, would you please stand? Would you please stand? Here's what I want you to understand right now, and I mean this with all my heart. You do not stand with them today. I am asking you to stand for them today. Congregation, can we express our appreciation to these who paid that price for our freedom? Thank you for your service. Thank you for being willing to pay the price, whatever it meant, to preserve and protect the freedom that we enjoy today. John Quincy Adams issued a challenge to our generation when he said, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. And yet as great and grand and glorious as has been the price paid by men and women who served our country, those who shed their blood on foreign soil to protect the freedom that we enjoy today, that freedom pales in comparison to the price God's Son Jesus Christ paid on Calvary's cross to purchase our Spiritual freedom. The breaking of his body. The shedding of his blood. Nails in his wrist and in his feet. A crown of thorns on his brow. A Roman spear through his side. That is the price Jesus paid for our freedom. Real freedom, lasting freedom, forever freedom is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone is the true source of freedom. But there's a warning. And the nation who forgets the true source of her freedom is sure to lose it. Let's pray together. Just bow your heart before the Lord this morning. Pastor Jeff is going to come to the front. I'm so very grateful you gave me the privilege of having a fit in front of us today. There may be some of you who walked into this room today. And right now, in your heart, you would say, I'm in bondage. I'm enslaved. Maybe an addiction. 
maybe sin in your life and you know you were lost and separated from God. But this morning He's calling you to freedom. Today can be your independence day. If that is you this morning and you would say, yes, Wayne, I walked into this room in bondage, but I want to walk out of this room free. Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Say, I understand that real freedom, lasting freedom, forever freedom is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Anyone else? But it's a second challenge this morning. We can scream and holler and gripe and complain about the state of these United States. We have a responsibility to stand for our convictions boldly and passionately. But again, I remind you, real freedom doesn't come through the White House. It comes through the church house. And perhaps this morning, there are some of you, and God has laid it on your heart to fervently begin to pray for genuine, authentic revival in our land. And I want to give you an opportunity just to come to this altar. Kneel before a holy God this morning and say, God, I'm coming. I'm kneeling before you. And God, I want to be an agent of change. God, I come to you on bended knee this morning at this altar to pray, Lord, send a revival. Let it begin in me. If you're willing to take that courageous step, would you come to this altar and just pray?